You know, George, in a small way, I feel that we are doing something important. We're satisfying a fundamental urge. There's something deep within the race for a man to want a roof over his head, to have walls of his own, and even a fireplace. And we're helping him get those things here in this shabby little office, or perhaps in the studio. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And I am Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. And of course, we are all clergy in the Church of the Nazarene around here. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to be talking about the adventure of family. Now, that opening quote I had was from the movie It's a Wonderful Life from the main character's father, Mr. Bailey. And when his son comes to his father, they're sitting there at the dinner table, and his father is kind of asking his son, he says, well, you know, what are you wanting out of life? What are you going to do? Are you going to go off to college? What are you going to do? And the son, he looks at his dad, and he says, you know, Pop, I, I can't stay cooped up here in this little town. And, of course, this is back in the 1940s when this film was made, and even this scene is set a little bit before World War II. And the young man, he says, you know, I can't just stay cooped up here. I want to go out and I want to see the adventures of the world. You know, I want to go in airplanes and hot air balloons. I want to ride trains around the world and do all these magnificent things and see magnificent wonders. And his father, realizing that his son wants to go on magnificent adventures, he looks at him and says, you know, the greatest adventure is here. There's something deep within the race that a man wants to have a family and he wants to be able to be bringing together a home. And even, even the wives, the, the ladies, they want to be part of a family unit. And there's something deep within us that wants to create these small sovereign institutions, which are the family. And in that, we are created into a new flesh. Marriage is about uniting people together and two Two come together. You've got a man and a woman. You've got a husband and wife. They come together and they are a new institution. And there's something about that that is deep within the race. And that is found all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And if you've watched the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and it's an absolutely fantastic film. It's one of my favorite films and it's possibly my favorite film of all. You find in it that the main character, George Bailey, in the end, he finds out that truly the greatest adventure is just to have a family and to hold that family together. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, it reads as follows. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. As we read this, we find something very interesting. We find two people, sovereign individuals. They are different. Men and women are different. Now, that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. They complement one another. This is built deep within even the, the text here in Genesis. If you do a word study on what all this stuff means, they are sovereign people, and they're capable of, of thinking, and they're capable of a level of autonomy that you do not find in other aspects of nature. And as God looks at them and he creates them, he realizes that they're not complete unless they come together. There is this goal, there is an aspiration that two would come together and make a family unit. And in doing this, they're not leaving their father's house out of some spite or hatred towards the father, but instead they're fulfilling the desire to go out, to leave, to go out and be autonomous themselves, to carry on in the stead of their ancestors. It is so interesting, as many people come to Genesis, they'll look at this and they, they might wring their hands and say, well, man is not meant to be alone and he's meant to be in community, and they, they use a lot of language. And, and I, while I can sympathize with the angle that they're taking, their language is utterly deficient. It is imprecise because it's not just about being in a community with one another. It is about being precisely in a family. And that's something to aspire for, to move towards. It is something which is good. 
And it is something which is even found before humankind has knowledge of good and evil, which means that marriage is not just a, a problem solver for the sins of the world. It's not just a way of keeping people in check, but as a side effect, it does keep the tendencies that men have and as well as the tendencies that women have in check and it brings them together. But it also is something which is deeper than that. It's deep within the race that man would come together with women, that man and woman, they would come together and they would make families. This is something which is quite fascinating. But the reason why I want to point out that it's insufficient just to call this community is because typically when we hear the word community, we're thinking in terms of our neighbor, someone across the street, someone that is living in the same place and generally the same time, which is the big factor here as ourselves. But Genesis does not suggest anything which is in the same time. It's talking about ancestors and descendants. And while, yes, in Genesis chapter 2, you may just have Adam and Eve, there is an implication that a man is leaving his father's house. There is a direction that this is going. God is giving them an outline for the future, saying, you, as a man and a wife, you're going to leave your, your parents, you're going to go off, and you're going to form your own sovereign institution. And this is in fulfillment of the human's race. But oftentimes, that is something which does take on the family businesses, take on the, the things which we would inherit and take them to a new generation, take them to a new level. I know myself, I live on a farm down in the Dixon and Cheatham County and Montgomery area, where all those three counties come together. And I have ancestors going back for many, many, many generations who have been tobacco farmers, corn farmers, there were sharecroppers of various things, and we still own this property. And there are many who worked themselves very hard to become landowners that I never got to meet in life, but yet I'm now inheriting the work that they put in. As we come to this situation of life, we realize that our ancestors did magnificent things for us. And not always is that passing down material wealth, but a lot of times it is wisdom and things of that nature. And there's something deep within Scripture that indicates that this is part of God's design for humanity, that humanity would not be alone. In fact, it is too great for one to be the image of God. That's too great of a task. No one person can complete that. Hence why they've got to come together. Men and women, they come together, they complement one another, and they make a family unit, and then they have children, and they pass things on to their descendants, and they also live to the fulfillment of their ancestors. There is a perpendicular movement through time. We see these families that are stacked, and they go throughout time, and there's something deep within the race. There's a deep, powerful calling within humanity to go along the adventure of family life. Even ancient Rome, which was one of the most formidable armies that the history of humanity has produced, even ancient Rome realized that a family is something which was no match for it, hence why it only wanted young single men to be in the army, because it realized if someone was married, well, they probably were going to be more loyal to their wife and to their children than they were to the cause of Rome. That's just how it is. The single family unit, and by that I mean a individual We've got our, our pair and we've got their children. You've got a, a unit there. They are more powerful than even the armies of Rome. And Rome knew that. And it's not for any random reason. So as we talk about all of this, I do want us to be thinking about the importance of family. And now we're going to shift gears a little bit and go back to, to Genesis. And I want to talk about some other novels. So within the Genesis text, there is this calling to go out and leave. This is a call to adventure. Uh, a lot of times we think of, of leaving a lot of times people will inject a motive that's not there. They might say, oh, you're in spite, you're, you're escaping tyranny. None of that's in there. It's just saying you're, you're leaving. Um, no indication of doing it in spite or anything of that nature, but you're just becoming autonomous. And the, the language that we find of, of humanity does indicate that these people, they are being autonomous. 
And as they go out, they go on this new adventure. Again, family life is a call to adventure. And one of the novels that I love, and for those of you who have listened to me lately, you know that I've really come to love Jules Verne. I've read about five or six Jules Verne novels here in the last few weeks, and I just absolutely love them. I can't get enough of them. And one of the great novels that Jules Verne wrote was Around the World in 80 Days. And I have managed to shy away from all movie adaptations of this because I'm sure they will, will fail to meet the, the threshold of excellence that the book demands. But one of the great things about this is there's a man who is very mathematical, he's very machine-like, he's very mechanical, and he makes a wager that he can go around the world in 80 days. And in doing this, he embarks on all sorts of crazy tasks. But at the beginning of this, he's single. He's alone, and in fact, he just fires one servant and brings in a new one. He has no family. A huge theme within the book is that no one knows where he got his wealth because he has no family to speak of. He has no business. He has no friends. He has nothing in the world. He is alone. And he hires a servant who is a utter buffoon, and he carries him around the world. And in doing this, he starts to pick up different people. He picks up a detective who is, thinks he's a bank robber and is trying to get him back to British soul. But as they come through India, they meet a young girl who is about to be sacrificed. And unwilling to be sacrificed, they realize they've got to rescue her. They successfully do this, and she goes on the adventure with them. And by the end of the novel, the two have fallen in love. And there's a great scene in the end of the book where Phileas Fogg and his wife-to-be, he realizes that he has spent more money than anything he would have won in the wager. In fact, he's only come out on top by a thousand pounds. He will gain a thousand pounds more than he spent, but he realizes he has found the true treasure in life. And what is that? Family. He now has a wife, and now he has a friend that has come along as well. And this is the true adventure. It's not going around the world in 80 days, but it is discovering family. And you'll find this theme also if you read the, or if you, you watch the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey, he has to figure out that the greatest adventure of all is his family. And he goes through a bit of a death and resurrection in order to do that. He experiences life as if he would have died and perhaps never existed. And he gets to realize what is missing from the world when his family is gone. And in these stories, we find that there's something deep within our culture that is calling out for us to strengthen our families. And the purpose I have in the sermon is I want us to look at our own family life and realize that God wants us to aspire to family life. And yeah, I get it. There, people are always going to fuss about family life, but it is something which we must look to strengthen. There are many people throughout history who have recognized the most powerful forces on this earth are solid families. And the solid Christian family is one of the most powerful institutions on the earth. And we should never forget that because it is something which God designed deep within our spirit. And when we look around our culture, we see all sorts of things which really capitalize on our urge for the family. We look at video games like Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, where the whole theme to the entire game is that there is something coming in and it's demanding that you accept it as part of the nuclear family. It demands that the main characters, they become its new mommy and daddy. And it pretends to be their children as well as their ancestors. It pretends to be their grandmother, even though it's clearly not. And again, it's a force of evil, something wanting to redefine your descendants and redefining your ancestors. This is utterly evil. You look at the great horror series, The Conjurings, when you look at the first, the second movie, and the Annabelle creation movie, you see all of these are about evil trying to attack and split apart the nuclear family. In the first movie, there's a nuclear family still intact. By The Conjuring 2, it's a family stricken by divorce, and evil is coming to exploit that. Exploit that. 
and you look to the Annabelle creation and you find kids in an orphanage and it realizes that this is a place where prey is made easy. And there's something deep within humanity that knows this is true. Evil wants to split apart the nuclear families because it is so fundamental to who we are as a species. So we're going to go ahead and close this message, but I want you to be thinking about what you can do to strengthen your own family. Again, a prayer of blessing I send out to all of those who who are Christian families that God will come and bless your home. And actually, it's a little bit out of character for me. I always feel like it's weird doing a recorded prayer, but I do want to spend some time closing this out by praying for the families out there watching this. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, as we are assembled across time and through the various means that electronic opportunities give us, I ask that you bless the various families who are hearing this message, Lord. Those who would invoke your name in their home, Lord, will you come, send your Holy Spirit, come to them, guide them, bless them. We ask all of this in the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. And with that, God love you and have a blessed day.